to episode four of Self-Care Sunday, a minimalist media project by me, Kaylee Reed. Every Sunday, only on Sundays, I'll release a new podcast episode exploring topics like mental health, entrepreneurship, social media, and of course, self-care. We're putting women at the center of our media and behind the creation of it, and today's episode features the one and only Allie Beckwith, one of my best friends. Allie Beckwith is a Canadian brand influencer, visual artist, and fashion photographer. As a formally trained photographer, she received her bachelor's degree in fine arts with a major in photography in 2015, and since graduating, she has experienced so much success, including shooting at New York Fashion Week and having her editorial work featured in Vogue magazine. She has worked with major global brands like Tim Hortons and LG Canada, and we actually met first year university before she was famous. My then boyfriend introduced us to do a photo shoot, and seven years later, she's continually inspiring me to pursue creative projects like this podcast. Before we get into today's episode, I want to talk about our podcast partner, Lisa. My Lisa mattress is easily the best mattress I've ever slept on and the most convenient to get. When I moved to Montreal, I basically had no furniture and ordered everything online, including my Lisa mattress, which arrived at my door ready to unpack. If you want to have the best sleep of your life, I'm telling you, order a Lisa mattress. You can get $100 off your purchase with the code selfcare at lisa.com. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com. Now let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to Self-Care Sunday. I'm so excited to be joined by one of my besties, Allie Beckwith, who we've known each other for how long now? Um, since first year, so 2011. Oh my gosh, and it's 2018. Okay. <laughs> That's so wild. Um, Allie is like one of those people that every time I talk to her about really anything, I feel like we just have such a good conversation and I feel like our conversations are my self-care sometimes. Oh, I agree. <laughs> They're very therapeutic. Yes. Okay. I want to get started by talking about kind of your story and who Ali Beckwith was five years ago and how did you get to where you are now? I had to reflect a little bit when I knew this was going to be a question and it brought me to a kind of weird place to be honest. Um, I had to think about who I was five years ago and it was in 2013. I was in Fredericton. Um, We would have been really close then Kaylee. I was going to school and I was dating a professional athlete. And this is something I never, ever bring up, ever, <laughs> basically. But it kind of forced me to realize that it really was an important point in my life and in my career. So, yeah, kind of crazy. It got me some media experience. It got me... Um, to learn how to balance a million things at a time. It really forced me to figure out what I wanted in a relationship and in a life and in a company. It was kind of crazy. It got me a lot of experience in like media kind of things with being professional, but also competing lives in a way. It obviously ended (laughs) for good reason. What's been kind of interesting about seeing you go from Ali Beckwith then to Ali Beckwith now is that for a lot of people, 
dating a professional athlete or dating somebody who's like kind of famous could be a defining feature of who that person is but you are always very adamant about making Allie Beckwith your own person and that was something that I always really admired about you was kind of your personal drive outside of kind of any relationship or connections or whatever that you had in your life at that point you were still always like 100% focused on who you wanted Allie Beckwith to be and what you wanted your work to be yes thank you so that's what kind of what I'm trying to say was that at 18 uh, 18, 19, it was a crazy experience and a very unique relationship to go through. It was always weird because I technically was behind in the career point competing, but I knew what was in store for me and I knew what I wanted to be and what I was going to be. So it was very competitive, but I didn't feel particularly outshined. But I knew I had to get rid of, you know, the competitive person uh, that I was with. I knew, I figured out at 18, 19, I don't know how old it was, 18 or 19, that I needed a more low-key, stable relationship with a person that was not in the spotlight. Hmm. And that was kind of insane to realize at 19 years old. <laughs> yeah, that's like a huge self-awareness piece, yeah. I think. Like, like how like what kind of 19 year old figures that out then and there so it was so weird but then so from that relationship and you know after things ended kind of how did your life play out in a way that got to where you are now so it was the ball just kept rolling after that honestly um obviously the breakout was there and I immediately moved to Montreal to work uh, as an intern at a production agency in downtown Montreal. So that was a huge, another huge step um, in my career. So I would say the past five years have really been like the key years. Um, but yeah, I interned at a production agency in Montreal called Les Lois. And I assisted photographers and stylists and did a lot of shooting myself, got experience working with magazines and being behind the scenes and all that kind of stuff while shooting with professional models for the first time in my life. That was also five years ago, so that was a big year. That was a big year. Was that intimidating at all? Yes. <laughs> I am bilingual, but I wasn't super, super familiar with the French language in the photography and fashion world, so that was hard. Um, I ended up catching on, obviously, but um, took a little while. Being in a brand new city, um, not knowing a soul was crazy. I just felt more free. Like I felt like I had let go of all the nonsense that I was holding on to back in Fredericton and just kind of felt really open-minded and ready to experience a whole new world. So that was really validating in what I wanted to do because I was still in school. Um, my teachers at school, um, my teacher particularly, Karen Rouet, really pushed me to pursue this internship. And I didn't think I was ready for that at all. I was like, what do you mean? I'm still in school. Like I was expecting to do something like that after I graduated, but she's like, why not? Like, go for it. Come back to school in September. Like, don't worry about it. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. My parents thought I was nuts to go work in Montreal for free. My dad was helping me through school and said that he had to stop if I was going to go work for free in Montreal. That was ridiculous to him. Um, he understood that I needed to do it for myself, but also that he 
couldn't expect me to su- expect him to support me while I was making that kind of decision rather than working at home for the summer and making money and saving money for school. So I came back to St. John to shoot a couple weddings to pay for my time in Montreal. After living in Montreal, you came back to Fredericton, you finished school, and as somebody who I think a lot of people would expect to want to live in a big city like New York or Toronto, somewhere where there's like a million fashion things happening all of the time, you decided to stay on the East Coast. And I'm super curious about kind of your reasoning behind that and what kind of evolved into the decision to stay in a place that is not necessarily the fashion mecca. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, I lived in Montreal. I've been to New York a zillion times. Um, I lived in Halifax. I've traveled a lot. Um, And I mean, I love traveling. I travel all the time. It is one of the most exciting parts of my life, I would say. But I figured out in Montreal that summer that (laughs) some people are probably going to cringe, but to have a giant team full of giant egos working on one shot for a magazine. So there's sometimes 20 personalities in a room, a model and a photographer trying to get a shot. And I'm seeing people bicker and fight and argue and angry stylists leaving the room and all that, like in a whatever. And I'm like, this is insane. I like to work one-on-one with a model, um, maybe a hairstylist or maybe a stylist on the side or an assistant helping me, but a very, very small team. So seeing that really stressed me out. I'm like, that's not what I want. That's not how I get my best work. That was one thing I really did take away from being in Montreal was I like to work in small teams. So I kind of just went with that. And instead of trying to fit another mold, so in school you're taught like, go be an assistant or go intern or go, you know, like get experience. So I tried that a little bit and then just decided I don't want to work like that anyways. I don't want to work under another photographer. So I skipped that step altogether. I wanted to be the photographer. So I found if you just started doing it, you can do it. (laughs) You just need to work hard at doing that. So yeah, I found that me being on the East Coast, I could do that easily. I didn't have to try to compete with all these crazy personalities and try to fit molds that I didn't want to fit in to begin with so I just started shooting you know like I you know that I do like we shoot for designers or um, clothing labels or whatever really small team I still get paid (laughs) the um, final images are still great like it's just much more my style and I would say east coast style (laughs) um, style of working and that's just something that really put me at ease and I wanted to be the one who made those decisions and not be super stressed out over something that I'm supposed to love. I love that so much. And what I <laughs> what I also find so interesting about your journey is that you're trained as a photographer. You started your career as a photographer, dabbling in like weddings to fashion to literally shooting like New York Fashion Week runway. And you kind of, from that whole journey, evolved into being your own personal brand and influencer. And I think now when people think of Ali Beckwith, they think of you as an influencer more than they think of you as a photographer. Did you ever expect that to be the case? So this is kind of funny because I hated it when people just knew me as a photographer. 
I hated that. I'm like, I'm more than a photographer, like blah, blah, blah. I would get a little bit offended. But now I get a little bit offended when people don't know I'm a photographer. So there's this like weird tug of war in my own brain that it's like, I'm a photographer, but I'm like, I'm more than a photographer. So I don't know. But when I was younger, I went to leadership camp. I went to summer camps for that. And I was in drama, um, theater. I really dabbled in all kinds of things. And photography was my baby. But at the same time, I knew that I wanted to do more than that. So again, it's about kind of like the whole mold that people try to fit you in. When I was in school in Fredericton, it was really pushed on us to focus on photography and not just focus on photography, but focus on one style of photography. So if you wanted to do weddings, work on weddings, like only do weddings, be known as a wedding photographer. And I'm like, my brain is way too crazy to just focus on one style of photography. So I kind of just again, disregarded it and started doing my own thing and focusing on everything in that became all kinds of photography, fashion, um, weddings, portraits, products, and then also adding art into that as well. So painting, watercolor, all that kind of stuff. And then my love for social media kind of brings everything together and then adds more. (laughs) So I think if you didn't know me, you heard that I was a photographer, an artist, an influencer. I own a decor company. Like you'd be like, this girl's out to lunch. But I think it works. I think that my brain needs a million things to focus on to really be productive. I totally feel that. And I think that's like just the creative brain in general. Like creative people have such a hard time being put into a box and staying there. But let's talk about... People who don't know you, you brought that up really briefly. What I find so interesting about the age of the internet that we live in is that because we're constantly sharing aspects of our lives online, it's easy for people to get assumptions about who we are or to have ideas of what we're like or to even feel like they know us without ever meeting us in person ever. And you're somebody who I think some people misunderstand because when they see kind of this picture perfect life I think there's some assumptions that are made about you and maybe people assume that they know you and they know your personality and they know what you're like I know there's been people that are jealous there's people that are intimidated how do you deal with life on the internet when you are constantly sharing aspects of who you are and how do you deal with judgments from people that literally have never met you before? Well, I wish I had a better answer for this, but I don't really deal with it at all. Like I, I don't, I don't hear what basically anybody says about me. I don't hear what anyone thinks. I'm very, like, I don't leave my house very much to be honest. Like I don't hear it barely anything like sometimes I'll run into a follower or someone who reads my blog maybe like while I'm getting coffee or at a music festival the music festival that was in St. John I met some of my followers there but it was so kind of surreal to me people coming up to me and being like oh my god I read your blog I follow you on Instagram I'm in love with your cat like all this kind of stuff and it's been a really positive experience that way I don't really hear what anyone says about me. I don't know if that's naive or if I don't go look for it or whatever, but I know my boyfriend gets some smack from his friends for being in photo shoots, but it's kind of all still a joke. And I also know that you're somebody who like 
focuses on you, like you focus on Ali Beckwith. And I think that is such a positive trait that you have because no matter what anybody would say, like it wouldn't, I don't think it would bother you even if you did hear anything. I would love to know. Sometimes my cousin says her friends talk about me, um, like in her group of friends and they say things, some of them like probably think I'm dumb or whatever, but I don't care. And I want to know, I think it's kind of funny because I know, obviously I know myself, but it would be so interesting to be a fly on the wall and listen to what people say, because obviously people talk like you're going to talk about um, like someone in your hometown or someone that, you know, someone that you went to high school with. Like I gossip all the time. I would gossip about me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that. I know this quote that is, um, it's like something like what people say about me is not my business. And I think that's also true. Mm, I like that. So I don't know. I got, like, I wish I could give you more juicy drama, but there is really none. I got like one mean Instagram message before and it just said like F you or something. Like it wasn't even personal. <laughs> my cousin asked me this too. She's like, do you have any trolls on Instagram? I'm like, no really like my readers are so nice to me like sometimes I think they're too nice to me I'm like okay guys like I don't I don't know what to say back like you're being so nice Aww. like if you get bigger I'm sure you get you know like you get some controversy around your name but so far so good to my face at least is there any aspects of your life that you don't really share on social media or are you basically an open book um I'm basically an open book When my grandmother was really sick in December and ended up passing away, that was really, really hard because I was getting so many nice messages and I wanted to, so many people were just being so nice to me and I wanted to just like jump on Instagram and be like, thank you, which I did try to do and ended up like crying my eyes out. But that would be something that I wouldn't normally, I probably wouldn't have shared that last year. But I feel like my account right now is such a tight knit community and support system to me that I felt like I wanted to I know I could have gone through that without saying a word and everybody wouldn't have even either known or definitely would have understood but it was more like for me to kind of reach out and be like I'm going through a really tough time this is what's going on and the support was incredible and I still can't really believe that that's so amazing space like I know you say like picture perfect and um like obviously everything's curated and all that but I I do find it like really real and I hope that when people are on my Instagram um mainly stories I feel like are really real like I don't know I'm like this morning like sitting here in front of my computer in Justin's t-shirt with no makeup on like that's exactly what I'm doing I didn't try to make it pretty <laughs> I feel like for my feed and I feel like Jillian Harris said this too on her I don't know if you follow Jillian Harris but she's a riot to follow on Instagram but she was saying like her followers are so mean to her sometimes I can't even I would like rash if I were her like listening to all these people be mean to me all the time but anyway she was saying that her Instagram stories are really really real in her feed is more curated and professional because that is her business. Like that is where sponsors come in. That's where brand partnerships come in. And for me, it's the same thing for that. And that's where my photography really shines and creativity and all the visual things that I really excel in are showcased. So I know that some people think like, oh yeah, it's um, like a picture perfect life. And obviously your life isn't really like that and all of that. But in my case, it's my business. So no, it's not my exact life but that's where I want people to go to my insta stories and kind of see like not curated really candid real life 
Yeah. And your Insta stories are you. Like I always love checking them because you're so hilarious and just like always super real about what's happening. Insta stories, like I, before, okay, before I had my LG G6, I had an iPhone and my speakers or microphone wouldn't even work on that thing. So when I got my LG G6 in April, I started doing Insta stories because I finally could. So before I could use my phone, um, I didn't really use Insta stories, but since then it has increased business and I definitely has increased um, more loyal readers and friendships. Insta stories are the best. Social media is kind of a double-edged sword. A lot of people struggle with using it in a positive way. Like I know personally, I need to set boundaries with Instagram. Otherwise, it becomes this black hole that I get sucked into and I spend hours on and just end up like feeling like shit afterwards. And I think it's so amazing that you've cultivated this really positive and supportive community on your account. Is there personal boundaries that you set that separate your life online and your life in real life? Or do you have tips for people who maybe feel like Instagram is not a positive place for them? Yeah, I feel like in recent years, it hasn't been too bad for me because I have treated Instagram more as a business rather than like personally comparing myself to others and kind of really taking it really personal, like what other people post. Now I just kind of look at it as a business and what is on what I'm scrolling through might be someone else's business, you know? So I look at it more that way. I mean, sometimes I do get when you like stalk someone and you're like in 2013 of their feed and you're like, oh my God, what am I doing? I need to go to bed. But I don't really know. I don't take it too seriously. I focus mainly on my own account. Like I follow probably like 6,000 people. So I don't really scroll through my feed too much. But I think a tip for people who do get kind of sucked in and feel pretty bad after hanging out on Instagram for an hour, uh, what has really been light and kept the mood light for me recently is creating my dog's account. And I only follow dogs on his account, obviously. And so Justin and I like lay in bed and go through all the dog stories on his, on his feed, on Mason's feed. And we just look at all these dogs like doing tricks or going running through the park or like uh, stealing their owner's socks and like all this funny stuff. And we're just laughing. And I was like, everyone should just follow dogs. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Pets are amazing. Yeah. I feel like pets are such a huge part of my own self-care like before I had Rose I don't even know who I was like I feel like I was just a different person before I had my cat and now that I have her she's like my best friend anytime I'm sad I snuggle right up to her she like keeps me company she talks to me I don't know who I would be without a pet and so you recently like you've had Mercy your cat for a few years but you recently got Mason your dog how has that been? So Justin's going to kill me if I say this, but Justin didn't want a puppy yet. And he made the mistake of sending me a link on Kijiji to this puppy. And long story short, he's like, we're not getting the Kijiji dog. Like, get it out of your head. And I couldn't. I'm like, I need this puppy. I need this puppy. Like, this is my puppy. I need it. Like, I could not stop thinking about it. So finally he gave in and we got this puppy. We got him in December and... The day we got him, my grandmother got sent to the hospital. So it was kind of a really crazy time this past month. 
we were in the hospital and the dog was in the hospital with us. We were in hospice. The dog was in hospice with us. And now I'm like, oh my God, thank God we got this puppy in the middle of winter. Like I can't even imagine going through all that and not snuggling my puppy every night. So now I look at him and we're so thankful that we did make the stupid quote decision to get a dog in the middle of winter. But no, it is like incredible how helpful it is for your feelings and when you're going through something. And for me, it's nice to have a little buddy while I work from home. I mean, my cat, don't get me wrong, Mercy's amazing, but she's not quite a puppy. <laughs> Aww. So you work primarily from home. I know you have a studio, but what does a typical day in the life of Allie look like? Do you have a morning routine, an evening routine? Every day is slightly different. I'll go by like my one of my days this week is I normally get up around seven or eight, depending on the priority of the things I have to do that day. <laughs> Take the dog out. I wash my face every single morning with Lulabelle facial serum or facial cleanser. Yeah, I answer all my emails first thing, drink my coffee first thing, turn some music up to uh, start my day. Um, sometimes I have to shoot. I shoot for a local restaurant a couple times a week. So I sometimes I go do that, come back, uh, work on my own stuff, start some paintings, work on AKA decor orders. It kind of depends. Justin gets home around four, we eat supper, we get sushi a lot. And then I try to shut my work off from then on. I try to work really, really hard between eight and four thirty and try to shut it off from eight or from four thirty on. And that's something that's new to me because before I would work till midnight. And I feel like there's pros and cons to that. I love my job, so I really did like it. But at the same time, my relationships were suffering and my social life was just suffering. So balance is key. Mm -hmm. Yes, balance. I feel like balance and pets are two main points of self-care in this conversation. I agree. Do you have any other things that you do for self-care or when you're making time for yourself, what does that time for yourself mean to you or what does it look like? I have a Tumblr page that I love and I just add to it and surf through Tumblr sometimes. I've had it forever and I don't go on it as much as I would like to, but it's kind of just a good space for inspiration and there's like no one even knows that Tumblr Tumblr URL. So it's there's no pressure to have it like look a certain way or anything like that. It's just for me. I also like to read a lot of poetry. Uh, I have so many poem books. I don't. Do you have a favorite poetry book? Um, Alden Nolan is my favorite poet of all time. Uh, he's a New Brunswick-based poet. Definitely check him out if you never have. We've been close for a long time. I can't believe it's been seven years. I don't know how many years. I feel like you've definitely seen me through ups and downs, and I've seen you through ups and downs. And to me, all the ups, all the downs. To me, having a close support system is so important in my self-care. How selective are you with people that you let in your circle? And how do you cut out toxic people from your life, especially if you've been close in the past? I have very few friends, surprisingly. People always joke that I picked the wrong career because I don't like being social. I have probably five or six best, best friends. And 
kind of like Drake, like no new friends. I love acquaintances, but I'm not into making new best friends. I have mine. I love them. I'm good kind of thing. As for toxic people, I just don't deal with it at all. Like for some reason, I have this like on-off switch where I can just cut people out. And sometimes it's terrible, but I can and I just shut it off and not don't ever talk to that person again, but kind of. When I lose trust in people or when someone betrays me, that's the end of it. I don't kind of hang around just because I have known them for a long time or whatever. I just, I think that's a big part of self-care is knowing when to shut people out and turn it off because surrounding yourself with people just because you've known them for a long time is the worst. Like, you don't need to. How I look at it now is would I be friends with them if I met them today? So if the answer is no, then probably going to you know. No, I love that rule. I think that's so good. For every episode, I like to finish with a quick fire round where you can answer with either one word or like one or two sentences. So what's your zodiac sign? Scorpio. What inspires you? Music, poetry, uh, seeing other people succeed. What intimidates you? Being poor and having no money, less than I have now. What's one thing that people don't know about you? I feel like everyone knows everything about me. Uh, I was in a musical at the Imperial Theater once. What is your favorite place in the world? My cottage in Oak Bay, New Brunswick, or Bayshore Beach in St. John. Final question. What does your perfect self-care Sunday look like? Um, I'm sleeping till noon, waking up with sunlight, Drinking a nice hot latte, surfing through Instagram while listening to Boyce Avenue, taking a shower, taking as long as I want to get ready, maybe not even getting ready, watching a crime show in bed with my puppy and boyfriend. (laughs) What's your favorite show right now? We just finished the Bosch series on Crave TV and I loved it. I read those books by Michael Connelly, so we watched the um, TV series. It was really good. But I also just watched Big Little Lies, and I love that. And now we're starting The Night Of, and I really like that. Okay. That's all my questions. Is there anything that you want to leave with, like, a parting word? I feel like I'm on the Girl Boss podcast, and I feel famous. Okay, well, you already are famous, so no worries. Thank you. Thank you for choosing me. This was so fun. Thank you so much, Allie. And thank you for tuning in to today's episode with Allie Beckwith. If you want to follow Allie on socials, it's at Allie Beckwith, A-L-L-I-E-B-E-C-K-W-I-T-H or AllieBeckwith.com. For more episodes, you can find us on iTunes or SoundCloud or at selfcaresunday.co. Happy Self-Care Sunday, everyone.